Hey everyone, welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm your host, Hemel Javeri. It is Friday, June 8th. Yes, it is June 8th. I'm never sure of the date. Um, and we are in our era, in a world, in a day where the Washington Capitals are Stanley Cup champions, which is so weird to say. Joining me today is Michelle Martinelli, who is being uh, our NASCAR correspondent, but also has been helping out on the NHL beat. Hi, Michelle. It's such a strange sentence to say. <laughs> right? I am like Stanley Cup champions. It's a strange conversation to be having like, oh, I wonder what the parade route is going to look like. Yeah, I was watching the game last night, obviously, and I just could not believe that after having watched so many other players lift the cup, that it was Alex Ovechkin who was lifting the cup. Um you know, I'm not, it's not even so much like about being a DC fan. It's more of just being invested in that narrative of uh, this is the thing that has eluded this guy and this team for so long in so many heartbreaking ways that it was just unbelievable that it finally happened. Well, and so part of me uh, looks at the Capitals and what they've gone through in the last several years and says that, yes, it's been so heartbreaking and all that. But there was, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking actually back to, um, like, late 90s and the Red Wings and all that jazz, and the narrative there was kind of how they had to learn how to lose before they could learn how to win. So as the Caps were advancing through the playoffs, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is great, like, they're playing really well, but at the same time, I wasn't entirely sure that they were going to win the Cup because it's, you know, maybe they'd get to the finals, but you still perhaps have to learn how to lose so that you can figure out how to win. Yeah. And so it was all just kind of an unbelievable thing. But yeah, I guess in the last several years with the the devastating play early playoff exits and too early for the rosters you have, um, that was just such a wonderful moment, I think, for, for sports fans and for, um, you know, lifelong hockey fans in D.C., yeah, I agree with you. I mean, a couple of things that we are going to get to in this podcast. Um, but the first one really is how the Capitals got to this point, right? Because uh, like you said, they had to learn how to lose. But this is a very different iteration of a team than what they've had in years past. And this year, nobody expected anything from them. This was supposed to be a step back season while they basically tried to rebuild after they lost a lot of talent um, in the season before due to cap space. And Ovechkin, you know, in in famously said, we're not going to be suck this year because the expectations were that the Caps had blown their chance, that they had blown their window, and they were not going to be contenders this year. And I actually forgot about that quote. I was just reminded about that today on Twitter, that at the beginning of the season, he said, we're not going to suck this year. Yeah. It was kind of like, okay, dude, whatever you say. Yeah, exactly. And it was, you know, and that was the mentality, though. The mentality was that last year they had blown their chance. And it was really sad because everybody felt like Ovi's window was closing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really kind of the defining narrative that that started this season. And then midway through the season, there was a point where the Caps, you know, at the beginning of the season weren't great. They had a lot of defensive problems. Um, and then Ovech, not Ovechkin, uh, head coach Trotz kind of took the team aside. There were probably two instances where they really had like come to Jesus moments where they had to recommit, rededicate, fix problems in the team. And one was in March. And I think one was in, one was in November and one was in March. And uh, 
they really rallied during those points. Um, so it felt like a very mature and even keel team that was extremely dedicated and extremely committed when the postseason rolled around. Which I think is just a very interesting progression, too, because for a while they were kind of living up to the narrative of what everyone expected. It was like, okay, we, you lost a few guys. Even, you know, we're talking about it this whole Stanley Cup final, watching Nate Schmidt do what he does. Well, that's a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a salty wound there, knowing that he was on your team last year and he's such a talented player. And so, yeah, you look at this roster and they just – they. Um, you, you weren't sure what to expect, and then at the beginning of the season, they they kind of lived up to that uncertainty um, yeah. and inconsistency. And so to see them come from that point to then make uh you know get have such a historic playoff run for multiple different reasons. Yeah, it's I mean it's been it's been pretty crazy. Um, we're gonna talk about some other stuff too, but. We have to talk about Alex Ovechkin. I know that everybody has been talking about Alex Ovechkin, but this is a huge this is a huge monkey off his back. It is a personal and professional triumph and something that he has waited extremely extremely long for. Yeah, if and because he's getting older, you know, it's he's he's been in the league for 13 years, you know, he's not done yet, but like you said those conversations about is he ever going to win a cup? Um, we're coming up more and more, and so you're thinking to yourself, "Oh my gosh, if he doesn't win a cup, he might he would be probably the best player to ever not win a championship." Yeah, yeah, and, that's, and it's incredible, and that's that would just be so unfortunate because it would take away, I think, from all that he has accomplished. Exactly, and he doesn't want to go into the Hall of Fame, seven Rocket Richard trophies, you know, mm-hmm. all all the records that he's racking up with that asterisk, which is that he never won a cup. But the more infuriating part of this is the way that he has been portrayed outside the sport and even inside the sport, that Washington's inability to win a cup has really always kind of boiled down to him, right? That it's his lack of leadership, that it is his lack of production on the ice, even though the numbers don't back any of that up, right? Right, that's what's funny about it, is like, yes, you know what, that is sometimes your job as the captain, like, you are supposed to be a leader, you win with your team and you lose with your team, but, you know, a lot of the other players kind of, not, not, not purposefully, but they were hidden behind him because he was the one always taking so much flack for not getting them out of the second round. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of really brutal critiques about his personality, that he was not the leader that Crosby is, that he was not dedicated enough, he didn't have the discipline. Um, just really the stuff that hockey people really like to talk about, right? Like intangibles. Um, and some of it really boiled down to how people view Russian players in the league as well, which I also thought was really unfair. And Ovechkin's the first Russian captain to lift the cup. And I think that this is really a huge moment for him in terms of being able to silence those critics. They always kind of had that to lean on. You know, whatever fault that they found with Ovechkin, they they just would lean on the fact that, oh, well, he's never won a cup. He's never been able to lead his team to a cup. And now, now that's been taken away, which has to feel really satisfying as well. And after so many years in the league, this was really the last thing. I mean, it's a big one, obviously, but this was the last thing missing from his resume. Yeah. Like, 
you know, what more do you want from him? You want him to be the top goal scorer in the league for the regular season? You know, do you want him to just be a standout in so many different categories? And kind of like you said, he's always, despite being a completely different player, he is always compared to Sidney Crosby. Yeah. And the one thing Sidney Crosby, um, accomplishment-wise, always had over Ovechkin was the fact that he had multiple Stanley Cups and Ovechkin still had zero. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so happy to be able to put that to rest. I think that's a great day for Ovechkin. Um, and it's I do exhausting. Think, <laughs> no, it's exhausting. And I'm, you know, I do understand that, uh, it, I mean, it's a very comfortable narrative for people to lean on. And I just thought it was so lazy. And I'm glad that we can dispense with that altogether. But there are other players on the Capitals beside Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons that they did so well in the postseason you know, they had their their defense really showed up to all of these games and they had a lot of secondary scoring help. Um, we saw incredible goals, clutch goals from, I mean, somebody like Brooks Orbick who had not scored in yeah. almost two years. Two years. <laughs> and uh, Devontae smith Pelly, right? He had seven goals in the regular season and he had seven goals in the playoffs. I think that's my favorite, st- my favorite single statistic from this Capitals playoff run is yeah. that someone who, you know, is minimal production during the regular season all of a sudden comes up with not just goals, but like some really exceptionally critical goals that could not have come at more key points I mean, in some of those games. Right. Well, so game five last night and Alex Ovechkin absolutely needed to get his team on the board and he scored a goal. But then the tying goal was Devontae smith Pelly, like, and he made like a diving Save the None photos from that are incredible. We, yeah, we have a few on our in our hockey stories on FTW. So you know, there's that goal, and then there's Lars Eller, who really you know was not a name that's been well known even within Capitals fandom until this season. So there's a lot of help, a lot of secondary scoring and production that really led the Capitals this far. Absolutely, and you know, I think what's interesting about Eller too is. Um, in earlier series leading up to the final, um, you know, he took a couple bad penalties in there and yeah. really put the Caps in a difficult position. And, you know, some some maybe more extreme fans were, you know, calling to, to bench him, get him off the ice, and here he comes out last night and scores the game-winning goal. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's really incredible that – and that kind of also just shows the, the resilience that the team has, right? It's like it's the ability to be able to put the bad penalties behind you, to trust that your teammates are going to help you out of a jam. Um, you know, the penalty kill had to had to be really great to, in some of these games because they because the Caps were taking bad penalties um, to be that resilient and to be able to get this far. Um, but also, and you kind of wrote about this a little bit today as well, which is that in all the Ovechkin hype. It, they won in a very decisive fashion in this series against Vegas. They did. And it was kind of, it's like they flipped the script almost with Vegas and they traded positions, Mm -hmm. right? Because after such a standout season as an expansion team, and they really caught pretty much everyone in the NHL off guard because no one had very high expectations for them. Um, and they come in and they just sort of stormed their way into the finals and they easily beat, um, you know, they swept the Kings, they beat the Sharks and, um, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Thank you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We're tired. (laughs) It's been a long 24 hours. Um, 
And so, so they just, they powered their way into the finals and it kind of looked like they were the team to beat despite the fact that they had 501 odds against them at the beginning of the season. Right. And the Caps sort of struggled to, to get here. And it's not to say that they didn't deserve to get here because they absolutely did. But you know, in the first game of the series, they went down two to nothing to the blue jackets. And we're like, Oh my God, are they going to get swept? Like this is terrible. Yeah. And then they rally back, beat Pittsburgh and beat the lightning. And, but it wasn't easy is the point. Well, so then they, against the lightning, they were down three, two. So they had two shots where there, it was very likely that might, they might not win. Um, so it was definitely not, you know, like Vegas felt like they kind of swanned into the final without with very little difficulty. And the Capitals really had to kind of claw their way in. Mm-hmm. And then they just came out firing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you take the first game aside, because it's never really a great thing when there's 10 goals total. <laughs> um, I just think everybody was nervous. Like everybody was just, this is a new situation. Yeah. You're a little jittery. But then if you look at the next four games, which the Capitals won four straight games after losing the first, like, that's, these were not close games. Could they have been closer? Absolutely. Like, Vegas definitely missed some key scoring opportunities in every game. And so you can sit there and say, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but, like, they didn't. That's not what happened. So yeah. at the end of the day, it's it, it was still a, a fairly dominant performance from game two to game five. And there was no reason to believe that they wouldn't win the Stanley Cup at some point. Yeah, and I think that that was kind of the the prevailing sense, is that their victories had been so dominant. Um, In this series, there's probably, there's two moments that really stand out for me as kind of the, the... you know how they say that series can turn on on puck luck sometimes, but there's two moments that really stand out. And one is, like you said, it was against Columbus, um, and it made and I think it was the puck going off Lars Eller skate that had them winning in double OT. Um, it really felt like had they gone down three zero, had they lost to that game, gone down three zero to Columbus, they might not have been able to make that make it back from there. But two one was much more surmountable than you know three zero. There's there's that one moment that stands out to me, um, and then the stick save in game two. Yeah. It very easily could could have gone. You know, it felt like if the Vegas Golden Knights had been able to tie it up then, and Holtby had not made that incredible stick save, we might be looking at a longer series definitely. Um, but it felt like to me that that little bit of of Hopi theatrics and a little bit of puck luck that got in the way really were two pivotal lucky bounces that kind of went their way. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a save, that's a play that, that is a little bit of luck and a little bit of skill. And it was just, that's something that those players and fans in the city are going to remember forever because it was just, it was so outrageous and unlikely. And the fact that it was saved, you know, not with his glove or his pad, but with like a relatively narrow part of his stick. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, it's an incredible <laughs> save. And it's all about his skill and and timing and luck and all those little things that go into it. Not to take away from, from what Holpe did. Um, and then there's, you know, James Neal kind of missing that wide open net. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's sometimes bounces did not go the way for the Capitals in previous series. And I think that 
this series, they they got, I don't want to say that they got lucky because it's not just luck, but it's just the way the puck goes sometimes. So um, it is. Yeah. And I, I would, I agree with you on, on those turning points. Um, and, but I do want to throw one more in there that yeah. I think, um, you know, as great as it was that they finally beat the Penguins and made it to the conference finals and all that, this first series was really close, really incredible, you know, um, four overtime games that is close. And so I think, uh, whether it was, you know, intentional from Barry Trotz or whatever it was, the fact that he started backup goalie, Philip Grubauer in the first two games over Braden Holtby, your future hall of fame goalie who is, had a decent season. It was, it was not well, his best compared to his best. He struggled. Let's be honest. But he, he's no, he did. And so, and for a while there late in the regular season, he and Grubauer were going back and forth because yeah. they were saying, why on earth would we not play both goalies if both and let them prove to us which one is better and all that. And so Barry Trotz made the decision to go with Philip Grubauer for the first two games instead of Holtby. And then I think Whatever it was, it, it's, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but something clearly changed because when they pulled Grubar and put Holtby back in, in that first series, Holtby seemed like something was different about him. He seemed, I don't, I don't know, if it was a reality check, if it was, uh, it's, I need to step up for my team right now, I don't know what it was. But something was different, and he has been a crucial backbone to this team all the way through to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I mean, you cannot win a series without stellar goaltending. That's that's really just the fact. And I think that, you know, Holpe had been incredibly shaky in the season. He he had had a really, for him, a really bad regular season. Right. The it's worst him. season. It's all relative. Yeah, it's all relative. So it's the worst season of his professional career, really. Right. And, uh, they made the decision to start Grubauer because he had proven that, you know, he was kind of in that sweet spot and Holby wasn't. And it only lasted for a couple of games. But the fact of the matter is that for the first time in a long time, Holby did not start these playoffs. And, you know, he said in interviews that he was that he handled it. It was a team. He was a team player. But you have to think that, like you said, it kind of lit a little bit of a fire under him. It kind of also refocused him and rededicated him. I never want to question a player's dedication because these guys are, are always dedicated, but sometimes, you know, he might've needed that mental break too. Like the pressure for those couple of games was not on him. And uh, I don't think you can discount that as well. And he was probably a little bit more rested. Um, so I think all of those things combined really pushed him to, to kind of get there when they hadn't been able to in previous seasons. Yeah, and then, um, you know, you start there, you get past the Penguins, and then when against the Lightning, when their backs are against the wall and it's win or go home and your season's over, tough luck, he comes out and puts up two shutouts in games six and seven to essentially save this historic playoff run. Yeah. Like, that, that's pretty critical, too, in addition to all the, these little things and plays and moments that you might bring up. Like, those are overall game performances that had major impacts on where this team was going to go this year. It's true. And and that really just kind of goes to show you how so many little things need to align for teams to be able to win the cup. Um, Like it all has to be stitched together perfectly, basically. And, and, and the timing has to be right as well. 
um, because it's just not easy to do. And had any of those things been off, had a couple of bounces not gone their way, I think we'd be looking at a very different postseason for the team. Absolutely. And and I think it highlights to just, you know, not that it's not hard in other sports, but just how truly elusive the Stanley Cup can be, because there are a number of factors that go into it besides skill. You know, hockey is not a sport where, you know, a LeBron James type can come in and single handedly get his team to the finals, essentially. Like, that's not how it works. So it's skill combined with a little bit of luck and and plus maybe you've got a hot goalie or maybe all of a sudden a second line winger is getting hot or you know whatever it may be but all of that needs to come together um anyway michelle and i are super exhausted (laughs) (laughs) but thank you guys for listening michelle any final thoughts from you no i you know i just i think this is i think this is something that dc sports teams finally needed it's been more than 20 years since the city has had a major sport championship and after so many years of disappointment it was finally their turn it was finally their year yeah and they definitely are going to get a chance to celebrate so i think that'll be fun um (laughs) (laughs) yeah for us to be here all right thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week bye michelle bye